0: and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started.
1: My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we go where you go to find those Mastermind conversations, those chance meetings, those aha moments that can redirect the trajectory of your business and life, or even just give you something to think about. It rarely happens in some clean, sterile studio. So, as you listen in and find your inspiration, you may notice the occasional bird chirping in the background, a little ambient noise from nearby, a car going by in the distance the gentle hum of a distant air conditioner as I sit outside here on my sumptuous Las Vegas balcony here in what I like to call the hottest city in America. And what we're going to be discussing today is something that is always, in my view, a hot topic. And we do at least a few of these every year. We like to get different perspectives on this overall topic. Today, it's specifically about planning for your finances in a way that is holistic and focused on a long-term goal. This is especially important in the current environment. And whether you're listening to this now or whether you're listening to this in our archive five years from now, this may be the case. This may have recently been the case. This may be on its way to being the case. I've lived through so many of these cycles. I've seen it come and go that most people don't have savings as such. They don't have liquid cash. That's pretty frightening. And then you have the whole scenario where the cost of rent, food, education, especially gasoline, keeps going up and up and up and up and up, but real wages have not kept up. Since I began in the workforce, and by that I mean when I became a part-time fast food worker when I was 16 years old. I recall buying gas for 99 cents a gallon and earning the minimum wage of $4.25 an hour. Gas is now six times that. Has minimum wage gone up six times? No, not in most cases, in some jurisdictions, but not as a general rule. I remember when I was uh, thinking about getting my first apartment, an unfurnished two-bedroom that I could have to myself, $400. That was only 20 years ago, worth four times that. The cost of the college education I would have... Uh, If I were getting it today, instead of 25 years ago, five times as much. And the best part is, with all the ridiculous general education requirements, which I've ranted on before, a four-year degree is really a five-year degree anymore. And then you got to do graduate school. So it seems like expenses are galloping, but savings are not keeping a pace. So how do you find the money? And how do you do this in a way that is holistic? I love the use of that word for that reason. We're going to have a conversation today with Mary Ann Keith. She's a financial advisor working with single divorce and widowed women specializing in what she calls holistic financial planning. I can't wait to hear the definition of that. And with extensive experience in Social Security and Medicare pertaining to financial planning, she has many secrets to reveal. And we'll see if we can get at least a few of them out of her. Marianne Keith, come on in. The weather's fine.
2: Thanks for having me, Adam. I'm very excited to be here today.
1: All right. That's a pretty impressive bio. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here. And this is my show. Uh, So I read off the official version, but let's get the deeper version. Tell us a bit about your journey in your own words and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion.
2: Sure. So I've, I've had quite the journey. Um, I actually started with a very um, serious education in music. I have a bachelor's degree and master's degree in music. And I'm sure your listeners are saying, hold up, you know, how is this lady in charge of people's money? Um, but, you know, life takes you in all kinds of directions. And, um, you know, musicians are generally pretty good with numbers and math, and back in my early to mid-20s when I was freelancing as a musician at night, I needed something to do during the day so I could pay my rent and so I uh-huh. could save save money like you were talking about in your intro and I wanted a part-time job that was interesting and meaningful. I didn't want to wait tables anymore on the side. So I found a job with a financial advisor and really found the work to be fascinating. You know, I started part-time just answering the phones and filing papers, but I really dug in and I was inquisitive and curious and learned more about the profession, started getting my licenses, got a variety of certifications, um, the CFP, Certified Financial Planner, most notably, and have really come to love the industry and enjoy being able to do work that has a meaningful impact on individuals and their families.
1: Yeah, well, and that's... I love your approach to that. See, my—I'm reminded of uh, something that happened to me right after I graduated from my from Penn State, where I got my undergrad degree. My intention in going to undergrad was to prepare for law school, and then right before I graduated. I had an experience that told me that the practice of law was absolutely the worst thing I could possibly do with my life. Not because it's not a noble profession. I have great friends who are amazing attorneys. They make a huge difference for their community, market, and audience. Solid people. But for me personally, it wasn't something that I could pursue once I delved into discovering more about it than just my childhood dream. Well, that means I came out of college without an idea of what I wanted to be. So I tried a couple of different jobs, tried a couple of different industries. And as you well know, that once you complete a degree, if you have a student loan or a student loan deferment from a previous educational experience, you got six months for those payments kick in. And right out of college, the only thing that I was able to find immediately was uh, some basic entry-level job where I did flood zone determinations, literally pointing to properties on a map and determining whether or not they, uh, they rested within a federally established flood zone to determine whether or not somebody had to carry flood insurance along with their mortgage. I know, real exciting. Uh, the six months was up. I hadn't found another job yet. And I was in a situation where my student loan was going to start kicking and I was going to have to start doing the payments. And I quickly calculated that 140% of my monthly income was going to be bills. Wow. And I, and I, and I hadn't even got my own apartment yet. So yeah, in microcosm, I understand what it's like to, to feel yourself in some sort of trap or some sort of, how the hell is this even possible? But it's a very real thing. Now, In that same time period, I had people try to lecture me about the importance of starting a 401k and saving 10%. And I said, 10% of fucking what? (laughs) That's the only way I could get through to them. 10% of what? (laughs) 140% of my income is going for minimum service on bill payment. What am I going to save? I don't even get to go out to restaurants. So tell me about this. Money, Uh, why don't you save it for me? And I bring that up because I want to viscerally express the frustration I think some people feel when they're trying to plan for finances, they're trying to focus on long term goals. And by the time they look at what comes in and what goes out, there ain't nothing left. And just like a healthy lifestyle, just like being uh, proportional for your body type, or losing weight, or being Uh, High weight proportionate, uh, living a healthy lifestyle. It's something that really only works effectively when it's natural to you, part of your being and doing, and it's holistic. So I'd like you to start by defining the term holistic financial planning.
2: Great. Um, so, so holistic financial planning is a process where we look at someone's overall financial picture. So, I'm not just going in to look at their investable assets and see how we can invest them. We're looking at everything. It's, it's a lot like going to the doctor. You tell the doctor everything that's going on, so they can figure out what what are sort of the most pressing issues and um, how to come up with a solution that will benefit your overall financial picture. So just to give you an example, when we start working with a client, I, I want to know everything about them beyond, you know, any debts they have, assets they've saved. I want to know, you know, if they own a home, do they have umbrella insurance? If they're renting, do they have renter's insurance? Um, You know, if they have kids, what's the plan for education going forward? We like to look in every nook and cranny so that when we make recommendations, we know that we're giving them the best possible chance of success in their future financially.
1: Yeah, uh, this is one of those things that I think folks cannot always see from the inside out, but has to be looked at from the outside in. I believe that's part of where you come into play. So let's begin by going through some specific issues related to this practice. And I know I'm still old enough to remember that a time when I could expect social security to mean anything, meaning I could retire off it and that'd be okay. Now I'm viewing social security as candidly that little bit of extra money I'll have that I can splurge. Retirement's not going to come from that. Uh, That's just my personal feeling. And I've been had people agree with that and disagree with that. So overall, what are misconceptions and mistakes your clients make when it comes to evaluating things related to Social Security?
2: So for for social security, you are right. Um, There are very few people out there that can live on social security alone. And the number of people who have pensions and retirement um, is, is decreasing. It's just not something that the younger generation has access to. So it's very important when you're deciding when to take social security. And there are a few mistakes, Adam, that people make Just for example, uh, the first age at which you can draw Social Security, age 62, you're actually, you know, you're given something up. So for most people, um, I guess I, I don't know the age of your audience, Adam, but if you were born 1960 or later, Social Security considers your full retirement age to be age 67. Yeah. And on your Social Security statement, they're quoting you first and foremost, your full retirement age benefit. So if you decide you want to take your social security at age 62, you actually get a 30% reduction off of that full retirement age amount. And I don't, yes, that's big. A lot of people don't think about that.
1: And and let me come back to this. 30% of whites.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so it's interesting, you know, in your intro, you mentioned, I need to save 10% of what? Um, So a lot of people don't look at their pay stubs at their working years, but you you do have a forced savings out of your paycheck. If you're a W-2 employee, 6.2% of your paycheck goes towards social security. And that's what helps make up that full retirement age amount that's on your social security statement. That's where that comes from.
1: Okay. That's, that's very, that's very curious. And that was a revelation to me that if you take it at 62, you lose 30%. Wow.
2: You do. And then another thing, Adam, that I see a lot of people sort of overlook, and I try to make sure I get to them before this happens as as we see we've seen people are working later and later into life you know there are people working into their 70s and 80s and if you start taking your social security benefit at age 62 and you're still earning an income from another job your social security benefit is going to be subject to what is called the earnings test and what the earnings test is is the social security administration is going to take money out of your social security check if you're earning too much at your job. So just for example, if your income is over $19,560, they're going to deduct one for every $2 of your benefit. So if you're working at age 62, you might want to consider deferring your benefit until a little bit later in life so that you can, one, get, get a higher higher amount, and two, you're not subject to this earnings test where Social Security's dipping their hands into your monthly check.
1: Yeah. So they're already taking 6.2%, and then you're wondering 8% of what, 10% of what, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Where can people find money to invest or to save, or what would you recommend they do. We've mentioned, I think, essentially two things so far in our conversation, social security and having a part-time job or a side hustle.
2: Hmm. So, so I think it, it, of course, depends on everyone's personal circumstances. But, you know, one, you need to look at your individual savings. You know, do you have some money that you can use to supplement your income? And two, if, you know, if you don't have a whole lot left over, then you have to look at making some tough decisions. You have to see where you can potentially maybe cut back on your expenses. And that is, that is a very tall order right now, given the inflation that you were discussing earlier in the podcast.
1: Yeah. And if you have issues with the markets and inflation and changes and the indexes combined, to make all that money you quote unquote saved worth half as much as it was before, then what have you done? And I've been around for a few rounds of people getting a significant portion of their life savings knocked out because of something that happened in the marketplace one day. Mm -hmm. So why, so why should, why should I even believe in it? Why should, why should I do it?
2: So So it's never fun. It is always painful when you see the market go down. But if you look at returns over time, and there are plenty of charts on the internet that can show you, you know, if you invested, you know, $10 during the Great Depression, what it would be worth now. And, you know, it's a chart that'll show you how it's gone up and down over time. If you do believe in the efficiency of the markets, and you have, you have a plan, which is the advantage of working with a financial planner. They're going to, you know, come up with a plan for you, and they are going to help you stick with it through, you know, good and bad times. Uh, you know, over the long haul, research has shown the markets to be efficient. Of course, you know, we can't promise that past results indicate future results. But right. on the whole, if you look at the research, over time... Your, your assets should heal and recover if you have the discipline as well as the ability to, to let your assets grow and recover.
1: What you're saying is that uh, sticking with it in the long term is actually potentially a smart investment? Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, I'm saying hold on, baby, hold on. Um, okay, you know it's 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 important to stick to the plan, and that's a big part of the holistic planning. Is we come up with your plan, we figure out your liquidity needs, near term, mid term, and long term, and we come up with a plan that's going to work. We you know discuss contingency plans for when the market is down and you know social security for example that can that can be a source for people to tap if the market is down just for example if you had a if i had a client that really wanted to wait until age 70 to take social security because um if you if you wait until age 70 you can make even more money off of your benefit Um, you you might have to change that plan if they're age 65, the market's down, they they're out of a job, you you might have to adjust and that's where working with an advisor can be advantageous because they can help you help you see when you might need to adjust your plan.
1: Yeah, that's sure. Uh and you know, however, if uh, I lost 50% of something in a day, I might not be the most receptive audience for saying, oh, yeah, I'll just stick with this and, uh, and see how this works out. Because you can go back to the Great Depression and you have these stories of brands that initiated during the Great Depression and people who uh, actually grew their businesses and acquired wealth during the Great Depression. It wasn't a downward slide for everybody, but I also remember lots of stories of people who jumped off the roof literally during the great depression Mm -hmm. i have uh, stories i have stories in my own family of uh of savings accounts and and life's work to got wiped out that 40 years later had never recovered
2: yeah it's 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 a tough conversation and we've had a lot of conversations with clients you know in the past few months and also back in 2020 if you if you think back to March of 2020 the markets were way down and then you know later in the year we were way back up so i think i think it helps to zoom out and look at past market downturns and see see the recoveries, see how long some of the recoveries have taken and see, you know, if you are able to wait a while to recover. Because we we don't like to advise clients to sell low and buy high. We want them to do the opposite. We want them to buy low and sell high. And in, in these types of market conditions, when the market is down, we check with our clients and see if they actually have any more money they want to invest because when people are running for the doors, that's when I get excited about investing because okay. I, I look at it as the market is on sale.
1: Hey, if you're thinking long-term, that's not a necessarily bad way of looking at it. Uh, mm-hmm. We can we can find a lot of great things at yard sales.
2: That's right, that's right. But for people who are in the income phase, it is, it's very scary and we have to take a look at at a portfolio, do we make the portfolio more conservative? Um, But, but rarely do I ever recommend going, going all to cash.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's, is there any benefit to going all cash?
2: Well, if you absolutely cannot tolerate investing in the market and the ups and downs, then that might, that might be all that you can, all that you can do. Because at the end of the day, we have the advice that we think is in our client's best interest. But if they can't sleep at night, then that that may be what's best for them from, you know, an emotional behavioral standpoint. But if you do go to cash and you panic, you know, one, cash isn't going to keep up with inflation. And two, you're probably going to miss some of the good days when the market rebounds and um, nobody knows when those good days are happening and also the bad days um, until after they've happened.
1: Yeah. Now you also deal with single divorce and widowed women. That's one of your niches as you stated. Uh, What are some of the unique considerations for that group?
2: Yeah, so one of the unique considerations for widowed, widowed women and also widowers, men as well, is with Social Security, they have a special provision where they can start taking a survivor benefit through Social Security from their departed spouse starting at age 60. So that gives us another puzzle piece. It gives us you know, potential for another income stream a few years earlier than it might otherwise be available.
1: Okay, All right. And uh, okay. so we, you know, we've covered a lot of things having to do with specifically the investment side of it. But I guess what I want to also look at is the wealth building side of it. It's been my belief for a long time, and I've proven this myself again and again, that the best way to fix a cash flow problem is, is to make more cash happen. What do you see as some of the opportunities in today's marketplace, today's environment of business for somebody who wants to raise their income level without waiting for their token 3% attaboy cost of living increase from their employer?
2: That is such a great, timely topic. <laughs> I think you yeah. know, the, lab- the labor market is hot and um, you know, advice for people out there looking to get a bigger pay bump is go out there, interview, shop yourself, sell yourself, because you might be surprised by how much how much of an increase you can get at another company. I think I think right now is a good time to move. Additionally, um, you can always look at your particular occupation. Is there a certification that might increase your pay? For example, in the technology sector there are all kinds of certifications you can get to increase your worth. My husband, you know, does them all the time and it doesn't require going back to school for a formal degree program. So I think those are, those are two, two good ideas. If, if you're looking to find a way to increase your pay beyond your cost of living increase.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I believe me, I say that with a huge amount of derision. Uh, during my time in corporate, I, found out enough about what really goes into uh, performance reviews. For example, they may say that you can earn up to 5% uh, increase. Meanwhile, your supervisor has already been informed that there's only room in the budget for 2.5%, and they have to find a way to make your evaluation match that. This was actually told to me by a supervisor who wanted to give me 5% that his hands were tied wow, that's wow. Really mo- it's really motivating. Mm-hmm. Makes me really want to put in extra time. Actually gets me excited about a side hustle.
2: Yeah, side hustles, that's another option. Um, certainly, certainly a tiring option because everybody works long and hard hours at their, their primary, primary occupation. But if you're really serious about, getting some additional cash to invest in yourself for the future, then there are plenty of side hustles to be had out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in your estimation, uh, what have you, what have you seen people do well with in terms of that?
2: So my clients typically don't have a lot of side hustles, but just, you know, seeing friends, folks, families around town, you know, there's always the multi-level marketing, but I don't, I don't know how profitable those things end up being. I think, you know, some of the side hustles that turn into something usually end up being things that people are passionate about. For example, if you set up some sort of small catering or baking business, um, something that you enjoy and that you are in control of.
1: Okay, great, great. Well, um, as we wrap up here, what I wanted to do is uh, I wanted to open the floor to you uh, for a couple of things. The first is, and we'll take these one at a time, is how, uh, if you have anything that you would say to somebody who comes to you in a situation of needing to plan for, whether it's a specific savings goal, a Lifestone goal, or their retirement goal, and they don't have a lot of resources, they don't even know where to begin or what questions to ask, where would you have them begin?
2: Sure, so we, so in that scenario, we'd almost treat it like a trip to the emergency room to start. So we would take a look at what's the most important thing, what's the most pressing thing, and then then we sort of back it out from there. Just for example, if you're trying to retire, but your kids also need to go to college and there's not enough for both, we we really drill down and take a look and see what's going to work. And oftentimes it, you know, you have to make a hard decision. Um, in In many of these situations, we have to look at getting loans and financial aid for the kids so that, you know, the parents can retire. That's one common example.
1: Yeah. And for those who are leaning into this now, looking to embrace it and begin their own journey, how would they reach you? uh, And what do they have looked forward to when they do?
2: So I can be reached through our website at www.beatenwealth.com. You can also look me up on LinkedIn, send Uh me a message there. And I'm happy to speak with any of your listeners and have an introductory meeting, and if I'm not the person to help them, I will certainly be honest about that. And I have a great referral network of many other financial professionals, as well as CPAs and estate planning attorneys. So, I think what people can look forward to when they speak to me is an open, honest conversation where I'm really going to hear what they have to say and help identify their needs and make sure that they get pointed in the direction they need to go, whether it's working with me or if they need to be working with another type of financial, legal, or tax professional.
1: Great. Absolutely. So I'll say that website again for all of our listeners. It's www.bedenwealth.com where that's spelled B-E-D-E-N W-E-A-L-T-H.com. And with that, Mary and Keith, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education.